deadly cool. And I'm leaving that in the edit so that you have to do it. Oh, shit. There was something else. Yeah, there was something else that you left in. I haven't done it. Hello my friends and welcome to the podcast that we've made for you An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the movies with friends He is the man I met in the woods Who promised to give me a look at his goods My parents still say he's their favourite son It's my good friend Ian Whittington (laughs) Good rhyme, nice I appreciate a solid rhyme And joining us now is the music man of musicals, he'll make Ian a fan, even if the task makes his heart broken. It's the giant we loved named Albert Hogan. <laughs> nice! <laughs> now that's a musical I want to watch. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I loved it. That was great. I still don't like musicals. <laughs> that's fair. Um, and I was I put so much work into that that, hi, I'm Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um... How, it, by the way, so Ian, for next week, challenge has been thrown down. Uh, the gauntlet is down. You just chat on everything I've ever written for the pod. That was amazing. Absolutely. Um, for the cold open, like normally, obviously we'll edit something here or there. I feel like it's, you know, I'll put the uh, the alarms from the purge going, this is not a drill. Singing is about to take place. <laughs> Cover your ears if you are sensitive to singing of an Irish nature exactly exactly (laughs) Um, how are we all this week yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. I have a, I have something I need to get off my chest. But Albie, you you go first. How are you? I'm my good. Friend? I'm glad spring is sort of here. We had really nice weather today. Managed to get out in the garden. I've been singing into the woods, literally in my garden all day. So um, enacting my musical fantasy realness. I have questions. How how you retain a single song from that film? I I can't. Think of a single song. Not even. Into the woods, <laughs> into the woods. Oh, yeah, those three words, yes, they are emblazoned into my mind, yeah. How are you, so you How are it, you, Sean? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Um, I'm, uh, you know, waiting for that record contract. Um, I have had a pleasantly busy Saturday as well. Um, I think we all have, though. Um, I've been disassembling a piano. Uh, which is far less impressive than it sounds because it just means it's an electric piano. I took the legs apart. Uh, oh, thank God! I thought for a second you had an upright piano, and I was like, "They're not. That's not the thing." Yeah, no, You're that's that, that. that's really not no. Um, so yes, because I will be moving in a little while, so I'm getting started on the whole fun of shifting stuff. Yay! So that is cool. Um, and what? Uh, You're finally getting out of prison. Uh, no, no, just to a different wing. Um, they're moving me <laughs> okay, to cool, cool, cool. Super Duper Max. They're like, you know, listen, nice. fool us once, shame on you. Fool us twice. You're going to solitary. Absolutely, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's happening. But we'll let you bring the piano. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the mic. And the mic. Really quite Please nice of them, sing. actually, yeah. yeah. I have no idea if this is ever going to be released to the public. You know, so <laughs> if anybody is actually listening to this, um, spring us from jail, will you? Yeah, but we won't tell you which jail. You've just got to go on a tour. Just knock on the knock on every single jail and be like, "Is Sean there? Can you come out to play, please?" You just get ten Sean's turn up. All right, all right, love. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Um, right. Did, what, uh, this hosting gig is hard. Ian. What did you want to get uh, off your chest, Ian? I'm fascinated. Yeah, tell me, tell me. 
Oh, right. So, Paint, um, I work slash manage a home improvement store of some description. Um, There are so many things that annoy me in retail that, I mean, I like it, but there's so many things that annoy me, I could start a separate podcast, which is just me on my own moaning about it. So, Paint, why are there so many different shades? I want to start a company where I have decided that I want blue paint. So I will go in, I was like, one tin of blue paint, please. Right, would you like pearlescent blue? Would you like dolphins udder blue? Would you like fairy tale oceanside blue? It's like, no, blue, please. And you just get one tin of blue paint. Right, okay, this room needs red. I'll have one tin of red paint, please. And not fireside red or burning devil anus red. It's just one, one tin of red paint, please, and I'll take it. Because there are so many, and I am certain that because there are so many shades that paralyzes most people into not being able to pick a shade it doesn't matter you don't need 100 shades of teal but you do I'm need sure 50 shades of gray me way oh what what i got from that is i'm slightly worried you want to paint a room red yes <laughs> I'm, it's to match my soul it's my room <laughs> my office is just going to be red and tears but you like interior design, don't you, Albert? So I that, do. You, you probably love picking hundreds of different shades. Of yeah, this sounds like a th- th- that idea for Ian's business sounds like a nightmare to you, Albert. Like you know, what do you mean red? What 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 what? How, how dare you choose what yeah, red I like? Exactly, it's fantastic. But, Just but one red. like with my retail hat on here, don't you get people buying lots of sampler pots? So therefore, you're selling more things and making more money. Oh, this this shop would make no money at all. I'm just, as a business model, it would be lovely for me, and it's somewhere that I would shop specifically because they are branded as the paint company that doesn't do shades. <laughs> it's just one color once you picked it. I'm not saying that like the way I do it or the way my company does it doesn't make sense, <laughs> but yeah, because you just come in and you buy like 15 tester pots, and this came about because. I have never, ever purchased a tester pot in my life. I've decided on a colour, I pick colour, and I paint wall with colour. If I if I had to choose from ten tester pots, the room would never the room would just be like a white wall with ten streaks of a different colour on it, and that's how it would stay, because I would never choose. Okay, I just want to say, like, as one half of an Englishman and an Irishman, I am putting my foot down that you are not going to be involved in any way in business planning <laughs> for whatever this becomes going forward because it's just like you're gonna say like decorating our joint office if we ever have well that's true yeah exactly yeah it's presumably gonna be a hot desk somewhere in the countryside or something um yeah as opposed to a hot box but anyway um <laughs> jesus christ anyway <laughs> that's my business model. that's that's, that's your it. business model yes on this musical about music uh, on this musical well actually it was a bit of a musical on this podcast about musicals and everything we've covered tester pots of paint well i could definitely yes. say i had that in my uh, bingo card yep sorry <laughs> i'll have to wait until i come up with some sort of opening for the ian rants about retail segment <laughs> you, or, unless you sing your complaint no Oh, hang on. <laughs> I, I, I've actually got an idea for a business model as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to create Go a, um, a multiplayer role-playing game called Dragons and Dungeons, and there's only going to be four characters that you can pick from, um, and you can't do any customization at all, and there's only like four adventures, and it's going to be brilliant, because there you go. 
Well, what's the four characters? You've done this specifically yeah, to trigger me. I know you have because you're an <laughs> asshole. But because I, you triggered me you with your what? pain conversation. Screw because some of the best days of my life are wandering around uh, uh, home base or B and Q with my beloved, <laughs> arguing about which shade of grey or which shade of blue or which shade of chartreuse we are looking for for our walls. So there you go. Oh my god. You're exactly what I don't like. Everything about you, Albert, is what I don't like. Thanks. <laughs> do, do you not? Do you not think that time would be better spent doing literally anything else? Um. <laughs> or do you enjoy the argument? It's not. It's never an argument, really. It's just you know. I... Is that because you always win? No, no, not at all. <laughs> we we it's compromise eventually, usually. Um, but yeah, good. No, it's. I'm cutting all of this from the edit. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> to the news! Uh, yes, well, actually, that, that's a really good segue, Ian. Uh, let's see if there's any news this week. <laughs> to the news! Right, so the news is, while Ian is desperately searching for some sort of therapist or counsellor, one who hopefully is in a perfectly white room, not a cream room, not a shell room, not a off-white room. Yeah, I will mock them if it's any kind of off-white, because you don't just have white or beige, you don't need off-white. Anyway. Oh, beige. Oh, even I have a problem with beige. Um, Do we have any news this week? Um, Mortal Kombat trailer. I really yeah, want to. I, mean, I, really I think that's why the color red is in Ian's head because my god, there was a lot of blood in it. There was. Heck yeah. Yeah, red band trailer. How are you? Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, it looks awesome. Um, it is the unofficial sponsor of the podcast now. We're just going to have a segment every week about Mortal Kombat the movie, and I think it looks really cool. I still don't understand much about what the fuck's going on in said movie, but I think a decent trailer probably leaves a lot of that to your mind. But I know you've said it's about Sub-Zero getting so, killed and resurrected or something. I have already forgotten the name of the lead character of the film, right? Sub-Zero? So, no, it's an original well, character. It could end up... could be, Yeah, but it's... Okay, so it's not like Liu Kang or any of that, but Liu Kang is in it. Right. Um, so this guy discovers that he has the power to enter this other world tournament. Uh, he is a washed-up fighter, Um I I don't know what it is. Some reason will bring it to this, right? And then you go to the thing, and there's Kano, Sonya, Liu Kang, Sub Zero, Scorpion. Uh, looks like Raiden's going to turn up as well, although it should be Christopher Lambert. Um, yeah. And from what I understand of my rapid Wikipedia check, um, there is beef between Sub Zero and Scorpion. Um, so makes sense. The uh, the internet um, quietly lost its shit. When Scorpion uh, used his catchphrase of "Get over here," mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I, I hope they do some of that, but I hope it's not so wah, wah, so on the nose and happens so much. But I, it would be disappointing if you didn't get a few. You got to have a balance. You're right. You've got to have a balance of it. It's got to be there, but yeah, yeah. And I think if they're they're sticking to the tournament idea, just to have the announcer do most of it. You've got to stick in a fatality. Finish him. Test your might. 
Um, and there's this t- <laughs> the tiny little remix of the original theme that plays over the end of the trailer. And just, yes. Uh, Benj- uh, I'm murdering his name. Benjamin, I think it's Walfish. Um, he is doing the score for this. I would know him. He did the score for It's Chapter 1 and 2, which I think are oh, really cool. good. Yeah, no, I liked them. Yeah. If there, I will bet my trousers that at some point, as well as the remix version of the theme, there will be a slow down, slowed down version on like violins or a pan flute or something. Like, well, if you want, you can just would... head over to my YouTube channel where I perform a piano instrumental version of the Mortal oh, Kombat nice. theme. We'll just lift that and stick it in. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've actually oh. been in touch with them. Um, I may re-edit the trailer and just put your audio over it. I'd be, I'd, yes. Yeah. There's a deadly thing there. We should do that. Deadly, cool. cool. Make, and I'm leaving that in the edit so that you have to do it. <laughs> oh, shit. There was something else. Yeah, there was something else that you left in. I haven't done it. <laughs> oh, right. Anyone can remember what it was. I'm still not going to do it, but it would be nice to know. Be fine. Be fine. So, that's with you. so is there any um, anything else news-wise before we go on to our recommends? I have one... Um, because, I mean, it's Mortal Kombat Day, so we need to talk about the Snyder Cut again. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> dual sponsorship. Yeah. Um, the proper trailer, proper, proper trailer in inverted commas came That's out. Right, yeah. um, I, the biggest reveal is Joker turning up um, towards the end. Now, is this meant to be Jared Leto's Joker or another reimagining? Because Jared Leto is Batfleck's Joker. Yeah. But... This guy looked way, 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 way more like um, yeah. Heath Ledger than it did Jared Leto. I got it that it was like a reimagining of Jared Leto's Joker, so that he is still him, but yeah. b- because I I don't know the comics well, but I know when Darkseid basically uses his uh, anti-life equation, he just changes everything on Earth, so yeah. that could change yeah, the Joker. That's it. Um, yeah. I know that Jared Leto was added after the fact. He was not in... And I don't mean no. the version that came out. I mean, he wasn't filmed for yeah. the original Justice League. Um, and Zack Snyder... It kind of sounds like Zack Snyder felt sorry for what happened to him with David Ayer's Suicide Squad, uh, yeah. which is understandable. Totally yeah. yeah. And so he's been added. Um, and his line, it is a deliberate... It is an acknowledgement of the meme. You know, it's like, you know, how do you, you know, 1989, you drop the Joker into a vat, or you drop, you drop the man into a vat of acid to create the Joker. 2008, you know, you drop him into chaos or, or, or something. I've fucked it up. Uh, and then 2021, ah, you just let him loose in society. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. let him loose. That's fine. I love that. That was a really, really good nod. Uh, I'm slightly concerned about, I don't think it's going to be as different as we think it's going to be. I think you're going to see more Superman. I think you're going to see a bit... Well, you're obviously going to see Darkseid. But I don't think it's going to be as earth-shatteringly different to Justice League as we think. Potentially. What do you think, Arby? We will see. Um, I am not big up on my DC stuff at all. So I watched Justice League and forgot about it pretty much straight afterwards. Um, So I am not... I'm one of the few people who is not like dying to see the Snyder Cut. Um, I will watch it when it comes out, but I will probably not be able to tell the difference, being quite honest. <laughs> I think Zack Snyder will be fucking pissed off if you can't tell the difference. <laughs> well, I'm kind of like, yeah. do I need to re-watch it again? So I kind of... But it's not, it, it's, yeah. it's not enjoyable, well, though, is it? it? 
I... Man, there's 30 minutes of it that I enjoy, but like many films, it's surrounded by an hour and a half of shit I can't stand. So I probably will rewatch it, maybe on like two times speed, mm. just so that I'm caught up. So that, oh my god, Flash would look like he was walking normally. No, he'd be going be really faster, cool. Ian. Huh? I'd be going, he'd no, be going faster. Because he's slowed down. When when you, when they're doing the, the Flash speeding up thing, it's actually in slow motion. So the whole world has stopped and he's running slowly. Oh, yeah. But if you speed it up, he would just be walking normally and everybody would be frozen. That was crazy swine. That, like, yeah. totally messed with my head. It totally broke you. It's the same thing with Quicksilver in the X-Men films. You could speed it up so that he's actually just walking around normally. Speaking of, how have we not covered that in the news? Sorry, uh, Justice League couldn't give less of a toss. Um, <laughs> Quicksilver and WandaVision. Yeah. Are we all up to date? I well, I mean, fuck me if we're not spoiler central. Oh, yeah, 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 Jesus like, Christ! Yeah, I'll just slap a spoiler alert. It's been two weeks. People have to. <laughs> it's yeah. been two weeks. Like on the internet, we if you're twelve hours later, podcast. if you don't know it, sorry, it's. Yeah, yeah, fuck you guys. We don't care. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm having a healthy debate with my friend Joe, um, because he is. Friend. Shut up, Albert. Um, <laughs> yes, I have another one. <laughs> Thank you. I can now count it. On one hand without using my thumb. Thank you. Um, and neither of you two made the cut. So I'm having a healthy debate because I'm convinced that he is not the X-Men's Quicksilver. And Joe and I think the rest of the world thinks it has to be because we all know that the X-Men are going to be folded into the MCU at some point. But I, I, I'm on the cynical side of thinking Evan Peters was no. done. God. Thank you, mother I'm, of God. I'm on the who? I'm on the cynical side of the spectrum, and that I think Evan Peters was possibly I could be wrong was a stunt casting to make everybody scratch their heads and go fuck. But this is clearly not Quicksilver's. This is not the X Men Quicksilver, unless. And Joe's theory is that he's been plucked out by Agatha. What's her Agatha name? Hurts. Agatha. Yep. Yes. Yeah, um, plucked out of the X-Men universe and then had Pietra's memory overlaid onto him. Which is his theory. Perfectly legit, but I'm still... I'm thinking this isn't the Quicksilver we think it is. Okay, I think you're wrong. Um, it's fine. Because I think... stunt. Ca- oh, it, it absolutely is a stunt casting, but I think it's with a view to opening up the multiverse. Because remember, Wanda is slated to appear in Doctor Strange in the multiverse. Um, yes. So I'm, like, so I'm kind of have, you know, every, as every episode goes by, I'm kind of like, where is Stephen Strange? Where, or, or it might not happen, but I kind of feel he might arrive to either start their descent into yeah. the multiverse and by potentially introducing, because you're right in saying that he's obviously had memories put onto, Pietro has, has obviously yeah. had memories put onto him. But even no, because he does remember Ultron. Yeah, so he remembers. But yeah. again, that could be Pietro's. That's what. That's what sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's Pietro's memories. So um, now, not knowing the source material as well as I should, I didn't get the significance of the book this week. Oh no, I totally missed that as well. I assumed it was something to do with Agatha being evil. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also missed um, who Rambo turned into. Apparently somebody called Atom or Proton. something like that. Oh, I... Proton. Well, she's yeah. had multiple names, but basically it's another version of, of Captain Marvel. 
Oh, oh sweet. And she's slated yeah. to appear in, the, in Captain Marvel too. so... Good. Got you. So I was really, really hoping they were going to go the route of um, Ironheart, who is the new Iron Man that replaces Tony Stark, but it's a it's a woman and it's a woman of colour. And because she's got the background of all of the the science, and when she was sending off the schematics to have this thing built, I was like, is she going to get the, the Ironheart suit built? But it's not. It's a NASA rover. So it, it would have been a... I, I don't know. They might still go that way, but yeah, the next Iron Man has to, has to, has to be a woman. Really does. Um, man, tangents. Love it. Um, right, so let us quickly go straight to... Do we have any recommends this week? two movies that I watched this week uh, one of which has been out for about a month now on Netflix but it's The Dig um, which I very much enjoyed uh, it is based on a true story about the Sutton Hoo um, archaeology archaeological find um, Ray Fiennes is in it he absolutely smashes it with a Somerset accent um, and Kerry Mulligan is in it playing someone about 20, 20 years older than she is and it, it was a very nice film. I enjoyed it. Um, and the second film I watched was... Um, oh, God, what was it called again? Uh, Official Secrets, which is the Kira Knightley... It came out, I think, about two years ago in the cinema. Um, it's another kind of docu-film kind of based on real true story. Um, it's about the whistleblower, Catherine Gunn, who... Um, leaked information about the Iraq war and how the British government were trying to like buy votes on, on various world councils and stuff. Good film, Kira Knightley, quite enjoyable in it. Um, yeah, I, you know, two nice watches that I'll probably won't remember in a couple of weeks time, but, but worth a few <laughs> hours of your time if you've, if you're looking for a good movie. I definitely think the second one is, um, I'm well interested in that. Um, that sounds quite up yeah. my alley. Yeah, no, it's good. And the dig of um, somebody I really trust that reviews movies, Aaron Dicer, um, he said that this, if you appreciate archaeology and just good cinematography, you will really, really like this film. If you don't like either of those things, there are plenty of other films for you to enjoy. <laughs> and yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. And a nice score as well, actually, to be fair. So yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. I enjoyed it. Um, what about you, Ian? Anything? Do you have time to watch anything this week? I did, and I have, but I'm going to save it for next week. Okay, that's cool. I have, um, because I've taken over all of your duties, including the ripping on things, I have a D <laughs> recommend, as in a do not watch, and I'm awesome. really, really disappointed to say this. Oh, no. CBS is the stand. Oh, no, we talked about this, maybe yeah. not last week, but the week before. I'm really, really upset. So I finished it. Um, I have been a fan of the book since I was about 13. I am <clears throat> no longer 13. Uh, so I know the source no. material very well. Um, I've seen the 94 version with Gary Sinise more times than you should watch a six-hour movie. Um, <laughs> and this one, it starts off so well. Like it really, like it. The like episode one is one of the strongest episodes of TV I've watched in a long time. Um, characters are really well defined. 
they they play around with the source material in a way that makes sense to the story. Uh, episode two is good, and then stop. Oh no! It's just like it's, this had the potential to be like the Avengers of the Stephen King universe. Well, not no, because it, it, they're all self-contained characters except for the lead villain. The Dark Tower would be a little bit more of the oh really Avengers, oh, okay. whereas this would be this would lead into the Dark Tower, right. and there are nods toward that, but it's just I mean. Sorry, watch it for yourselves, everyone yeah. who's listening, but I I feel if you know the material, you're going to have a bad time. Um, and if you don't know the material, there is a few people who stand out like sort, like what on yeah. earth was the thought process here? Um, I believe is Nat Wolf is the actor's name. Um, I don't know whether, I, I presume, I must blame the director, he's awful but the role seems to have been written that way so i don't know who to blame um oh i know him sorry i just did a quick google i know him yeah um the hereditary the kid from the the he's one of these actors that i like him but i don't like any of the characters he's ever played so it's hard not to tarnish him with oh this guy yeah this (laughs) this ain't this ain't gonna help oh good um ezra miller just shockingly oh, bad no. in this. And he is great. I I blame the director, I guess, for that because oh, but it's anyway. Um Ugh. it makes a parody out of a disabled character. Um oh, it's, well, it's really, really, really poorly planned. And oh. my la <laughs> I said like I'm so grumpy. I, was, I really wanted this to be good. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård was completely miscast as the villain. Oh, I don't believe that. Completely miscast. What he does is not the way... it. It's not even that I don't like this interpretation of the villain. I just mean it's just a bad villain. Like, it's oh, about no. as intimidating as... I don't know. A got a spoon fish. nearby? Yeah, it's about as intimidating as that. So... <laughs> Uh, Stephen King wrote a new ending for her, so there's nine episodes, and the ninth episode is completely new material. Um, and I don't want to say anything about it, but I will say it's the lowest rated episode on IMDb. Oh! He did, he did a George Lucas, didn't he? He rewrote some shit and no one liked it. Poor. So I, yeah, uh, I, I say all of that with a really heavy heart because the book is amazing seriously oh you're the Stephen King man on the oh. pod so yeah that's I, I take that with um, yeah uh, you I, want it to be good I really really wanted it to be good but anyway listen listen so that is right Grumpy Sean is gone so let's get back to the way things are we'll get Grumpy Ian back we'll get much smarter than both of us Albert back <coughs> and um, I'll just be here too um <laughs> I mean, if you were talking about moving away from Grumpy Sean, judging by your reactions last night, this ain't the way to do it. I did not love this film. Right, so this is very much a film of two halves. But what I will ask is, Albert, would you please tell our lovely listeners what we're talking about and give them, as brief as is possible, a sort of a, what is this about? Uh, and I set your time limit at 42 minutes, okay? <laughs> exactly 1% of the runtime of the movie. That's a good... Yeah, nice. 
I feel like I'm going to be uh, on an uphill battle on this this part. <laughs> you have you have got to absolutely scream your love for this film. Okay. Um, so we are talking about Into the Woods, which is Into basically the what they repeat the for the first 15 minutes. Um, so the uh, movie is based on a stage show, um, a musical stage show, uh, and it is similarly based on the Brothers Grimm's fairy tales with a few twists um, and basically it is the Avengers of fairy tales where various um, characters that we know and some which are new to us are brought together in a storyline there is um, infinity stones in the form of four things that they have to go and find in the woods um, a, a white cow um, hair as yellow as corn let me get this right um a cape as red as blood i'm trying to remember the other one a shoe as as something as gold um and so basically the main characters in it are a baker and his wife and we follow them on their journey through the woods as they meet various characters um it is as sean said a film of two halves and that's because on the stage show there is two acts um at the end of the first act there is a very much happy happily ever after um for all the characters and then act two comes back and it gets dark real quick and basically the consequences of their actions in act one come back to haunt them so really the show is about um uh be careful what you wish for and be prepared for the consequences that's it in a nutshell yeah great summary yeah um i like act one Interesting. I like Act Two. I knew this two. was going to happen. Really? Act One has the nice, happy, boppy songs, which is why Sean likes Act One. I sus- I suspect. Potentially. And Act yeah. Two is dark, which is why I suspect Ian likes Act Two. I found Act Two more interesting. I'm still not going to say I liked it, yeah. but it was. It's the bit that made my brain think. Well, that's actually interesting, right? Because it's interesting that you picked up on Act Two so much. Because uh, we were uh, on a video call where we were watching this last night. And you had a face that could have turned milk sour for the entire duration. So I think, yes, like, you know, the dour and depressing part of the film. I was like, aha. Spoke to my soul. It is just like, I feel seen. I feel seen. Feed me with the darkness. Very possible. And do you know what? I would probably say, you're probably 100% right. When I go into a musical, which is probably why, like, I'm not nearly as cultured as I like to pretend that I am. I do like (laughs) the kind of the up, the sing-along songs like i am the disney i know this is adapted by disney but i do like the disney musicals i like that kind of hairspray loved hairspray last week love what our next pick is going to be which yeah spoiler um whereas you had a fantastic description for it last night so myself and albert stayed talking for like two hours after ian went last night because we put him to bed because he needed his bottle and his sleep yeah um, ian was dying uh, he was not well it was a, it was a rough day rough day uh but albert you had a fantastic description of the show compared to other musicals um and now i can't remember it oh um it's basically like the difference between um so i would see hairspray as a ford focus so driving a ford focus and into the woods as driving a top-end jaguar interesting okay so to extend the metaphor Hairspray would be like a Ariana Grande song and Into the Woods is like Beethoven. Yes. 
or actually the more accurate cool. way of describing it because Sondheim who is behind the lyrics and the music um, Stephen Sondheim very famous um, you know uh, Broadway uh, uh, creator um, he has often been referred to as the Shakespeare of musicals um, so if you think of um, Hairspray as reading some I don't know Mr. Men. No, not that. Not quite that much. Harry Potter. Reading, yes, reading Harry Potter and then into yeah. the not and, Tickle, and then no. into the woods is Hamlet. You know. Yeah. That's oh, fair. that's interesting because Hamlet is also five hours long. <laughs> exactly. So I will. I will. Uh, I will say this film is only two hours long, which is. It's not. It's five it's hours not, long. It's two hours long. It's just because you were both grumpy <laughs> and tired last night. That's why it felt longer. My God! It had. I thought. Okay, we're wrapping up. Cool. No, it still has an hour and 15 minutes. It has an entire other movie left to go. But that's the whole whole premise of the musical. It's designed to mess with you and fuck with your kind of expectations. It does that. 100% it does that. And I I do praise it for that because the wolf is like dealt with so, so quickly. And you're like, oh, cool. I thought he was going to be a bigger Mm -hmm. bad. Uh, it wraps up tons and tons and tons of threads and then starts a new story. And I think it's that lack of structure that I don't like. And I, my brain will always rail against that. So I think that. this is where, you know, the movie is two hours. The stage show is three and a half hours with an interval. So if you skip off to your interval, imagine with your happily ever after, you go have a drink, you're feeling good, you have your little tub of Haggadahs, yeah. you come back and then shit hits the fan. That's going to really mess with you. That bit doesn't translate as well to film. So, you know, I'm completely on board with that. And actually, most of the cuts in the film come from the first act. So the second act is pretty intact compared to what it is in the stage show. Because in the stage show, the first act is um, pretty much two hours long. It is a long first act. Mm. Um, Whereas in the movie, it's like literally one hour mark. You're kind of through act one. So, and it's interesting because that, the... The film opens, as the musical does, with a 15-minute long number where you have each of the characters introduced to you really rapid-fire. And, you know, you're very much kind of... You get to understand the characters, what their motivations are, and that number finishes with Rapunzel going into the woods and the rest of the characters following her. Um, That is exactly as it appears on the stage show. So that is you know 15 minutes that isn't altered it's all the stuff that follows is trimmed and um yeah and actually there's lots of bits that are left out so in the stage show rapunzel has a much bigger part than she does in in the film um the princes end up running off with snow white and sleeping beauty which doesn't happen in the film um no there's yes. no snow white and yes, Sleeping Beauty. exactly Go so um there's lots of bits that do get lost along the way and um so in that sense the film is not a perfect expression of the musical but you know i think it is and it's disneyfied a bit to a degree because actually what happens to rapunzel is she goes mad and ends up getting killed um whereas in the the disney film she swans off into the sunset with her recently um unblinded prince um so yeah so there's there's lots of changes between and I think that's maybe where the pacing of the movie is off. The the pacing does it feel because yeah. 
I'm probably yeah, why I prefer the first bit so much it's like at least there's kind of you can feel okay I'm on to the next bit okay I'm on to the next bit and then there's the second bit I know you say it's the uh, the second bit is more of a direct translation but because we've just been given such a choppy first half and then we go into a and settle back into your chair and, are you smiling stop that <coughs> um, yeah well I mean you said it's been Disneyfied but even even for a Disney like sorry for a Disney film there is some dark. dark stuff that yep. I was impressed that they kept in. Yeah, cut, cutting that. off of toes and heels Mickey and Mouse. stuff like that. Mm. And, oh man, that went through me. Don't and, cut off yet. Taking off a toe, I can probably deal with, but don't cut off the yeah, heel. Yeah, and, and the, the sisters, you know, Cinderella's sisters getting blinded by the birds, which was, you know, pretty macabre turn. Yeah. Um, make for a great joke. Yeah. Blue. It made for a great joke later on. I was like, has anyone, has, you know, does anyone know where the goes? Yeah, she was there. We saw her. Yeah. But again, it's and and this is where this is why I wanted to do this musical because it is the complete extreme to Hairspray, in that it's very yeah. very different, um, and you know it's not a musical that people would necessarily go to, but I think it's worthy of a discussion because you know it's talking about where more complex things from the musical stage are translated to film and don't work. Whereas Hairspray, they cut a load of songs, but you'd never know the difference. Um, whereas here, I think yeah. you do end up with that. Um, so yeah. And, yeah, yeah and, and the whole premise is in the first act, which is essentially the first hour of the movie, you have all these individual characters doing their own thing and trying to fulfill their own wishes. In the second hour, it's about them coming together to fight the giant test giantess and therefore that is the journey it's about them literally avengers assemble um and by the way quite a few of them don't make it to that point um which again is messing with us because one of the central characters dies spoiler yeah yeah. which is what we're trained to especially in plays and musicals we're trained to expect the good guys survive and you hear you're sorry the bad guys die and your good guys survive so here's the question for you both: Who are the good guys and who are the bad guys in this film? None of these fuckers are anyone. Like the, giants the giantess has the good guys. every right to be angry. Yeah, yeah. The little Absolutely. dickhead ran up the beanstalk. Was like, oh, I'll have those gold pieces. I'll have that hen. I'll murder your husband. It's all good. I think Rapunzel <clears throat> is probably the most innocent of them all. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, again, it's a purposeful part of the the story yeah. is to, and actually they refer to it in the lyrics. Rapunzel has a number, so if you remember, after she's cut out of the wolf's tummy and comes out fully intact, yeah. that's Riding Hood now. Yes, Red, Red Riding Hood. Yeah, sorry, did I say Rapunzel? I meant Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Um, Mixing your um, metaphorical yes. princesses. Um, Whose name began yeah, with R. She, sing, she sings yeah. a number, which is basically, this is what the musical is about, which is her saying, um, nice isn't good, is basically the, the theme exactly. of the movie. Nice yes. is not good. And actually, yeah. the most honest character in the movie is the witch. Because from the get-go, yes. she says, I've lost my beauty, this is what happened to me, I've put a curse on you, yeah. if you do these things, I will release you from that curse. Whereas every other character, the nice characters in inverted commas, are actually, like, when we meet Red Riding Hood, she's a kleptomaniac. You know, mm. She's stealing yes. stuff. And then, and actually, yeah. it's interesting that the two kid characters are thieves in the film. Um, and again, yeah. you know, Sondheim talks about, like, 
um, you know, we talk a lot about childhood innocence being stolen, and actually it's the opposite in this, where they're stealing the innocence from the others around them, which is quite nice. I love that. That's yeah. really cool. I like that. So, um, see, She's also got a great song at the end, which is just telling everyone, what do you expect? I'm bad. Like, I'm not nice. I am the bad yeah. guy. Like, yeah, you're right. She's the only honest yeah. character. Yeah. And that's why I love it, because it just messes with your... messes with conventions. And the fact that they purposely based it on the grim fairy tales were actually... There is some differences from the what's well-known in the world. So, for instance, in the grim fairy tales, Cinderella goes to the ball three nights in a row before she loses her slipper. And so she's portrayed as mm. a very kind of indecisive person. Um, yeah. Whereas in our version, she has a fairy godmother. She goes once. There is no fairy godmother, and it's literally the, her dead mother. Um, so it's it's interesting that the fairy tales have been sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kind of diluted over yeah, Bastardized. diluted over years and made less scary. Um, whereas you know, if you know anything about the Brothers Grimm, they're kind of cautionary tales in a way, isn't it? Of, very real things like don't yeah don't they were, talk to strangers and don't you know go into their houses and they stuff. were also yeah. like i mean personally they might have been nice people but they were horrible some of those things are like really just, like snow white is not a pleasant tale no. the no, fact that there was a horror movie called snow white tale of terror which is quite good actually starring sigourney weaver um is just like oh well like and hansel and gretel has like a totally different ending as well doesn't it they don't come oh, off that i think they both die, or Gretel dies. They they don't come off very well off. Yeah, well, I can't remember. Yeah, in the grim version. And again, um, you see snippets of that where, like Red Riding Hood, you see the sort of murderous look in her eyes when she's like, "Oh, we're going to go and skin the wolf now." Stabby, stabby. Yeah. And... <laughs> oh, I like your ca- I like your cape. I'll cut you if you touch it. Okay, dokey. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah. So I I just really like that that it sort of messes with you on that level. But um, I'm interested mm. in what you did like about the film this may be a sh- i'm interested in finding that out this too maybe a short list <laughs> so i um i didn't because i'm ignorant i didn't realize this was a play first it probably makes sense but um yeah my first comment was this would make a much better stage show than it would a movie <laughs> and you're both like yeah dickhead it was <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay that makes sense so is that you just I, saying that you didn't like the adaptation like, yeah i just yeah. didn't like it i said like, i I actually, I th- I love the story, and I think I would really, really, really like this movie if it was not a musical. <laughs> two weeks running, um, I think there is a solid story, and I totally agree. It plays with your expectations. Um, the good guys aren't good guys, and they don't win. Nobody is a real winner at the end of this, and arguably the only people that do win don't deserve to win. So I love that twisted story. I just the songs in inverted commas absolutely lost me um because they weren't songs they were expositional chanting it it just didn't do anything for me disagree but yeah fair enough that's fine that's fine probably to a musical head yeah they do a lot lot more but for me it was just drone 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 Mm -hmm. um i feel this is going to be a long month um, but, uh, no, I, I was saying to Albert last night, the, this feels like an opera where something like Hairspray feels like a 10-track album. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that's fine. Like, you know, if 
you know that you're going to the opera, you know you're there for the big show, you know you're there for nine hours, you know, you know you're there for something that's going to be musically much more complicated <laughs> and potentially more engaging. Um, and I'm going to lose all my, uh, you know, classical cred here. A lot of the time, I'll opt for the album. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll opt for the, the poppier thing. And I'm a bit like the, the, the song. I couldn't. I could hum you into the woods, maybe. I could not hum you another song in this in this film. I say I haven't seen the stage show, so maybe there's something in the full version. But I, I and that <laughs> I to me is a bit it. like. No, I I judge a musical one by how much I'm. It's stuck in my head, or by yeah. You know. And again, that was intentional. So this is this is not about songs that stand on their own. It's about songs, performance, production, score, how those all come together in a way. So like I could talk for two hours about that opening number and like tell you how genius it is. Um, but it is not easy to listen to. Uh, if you know what to listen for, it is fascinating. Which begs the question immediately for me as an ignorant man of what's the fucking point. So, I no, that's too harsh. It's, I think it's possible to do both. To be entertaining and to the layperson and to have multiple levels that can be appreciated by somebody with a musical ear or a real appreciation for it. This feels a bit like it's dismissing, it's like, well, if you don't understand, then you're not going to enjoy this. And I know that's hard because taste is by definition subjective, but it's almost like he said, well, this isn't made for you people, but you guys that like theatre and musicals, oh, you're going to love the shit out of this. I think, I'm, my two cents on that one is that I think there's a place for for everything like that. I think there is a place for this kind of show, this kind of film um, that, like is. I, yeah. like as I say, like I, no problem with saying, I didn't massively engage with this one. Um, I, it's not going to be on my top ten re- rewatch list for this year, um, and, but yeah, if I'm not the target, I, I try to think. I think I judge it harshly because when you write something that you know is going to be Broadway, West End, bums on seats. Mm-hmm. You yeah. kind of have to walk that line, don't you? Of not everyone sitting down in the audience is going to be uh, a musical theory major, is going to be a, a performer, is going to be, you know, someone who has... I've been to see all of the shows, I say that dismissively. So who do you write for? And this does feel like somebody who said, I've had a long career, I know I'm getting staged, I'm doing this... It's not to say that it's bad at all. It's that I it, there's there's no shortcuts there is no i'm not offering you my hand yeah there's no obligation for him to make something we like and Mm. there's no obligation for us to like it but it does feel like when you've got this a-list cast and the disney stamp on it you're kind of saying this is populist and this ain't it feels like it it, you know what it feels like a strange choice for disney to adapt agreed yeah i would love to i wish i'd seen the trailers so albert can you do you know anything so about you the could mark- not watch it? <laughs> yeah. the tra- the, do you know anything about the marketing yeah, the trailer, for this film? How the trailer is basically the whole "I wish" opening number. 
Um, so mm. I wish, you know, that kind of repetitive thing with yeah. all the characters. So giving you all the character beats. Um, and then you get snippets of things going wrong along the way. Um, it's, But it's very much like, this is a musical. <laughs> Every character is singing. You know, you're going to get a musical. It's not, you know, often where... Yeah. Like, and again, having worked on Le Mis in the days where you kind of, you put in the popular numbers, you don't make it all about the music, you make it about the spectacle and things. Whereas in this, it's very much character singing a couple of story beats. That's fair. Um, so so I don't think they misrepresented into. it, if if uh, I'm being fair to Disney. Um, this movie made a lot of money. You know, it actually... It, it, it did. did. It smashed it, it. it. You know, made five times its budget. So, you know... There is a there is an audience there for it. I think it's sort of like Shakespeare. You could read Shakespeare and go, "What the fuck?" And then, with some understanding, you can read Shakespeare in a different way. And that's that's oh, that's how totally I see agree. Into the Woods. So I saw Into the Woods when it came out originally in the cinema, and I came out kind of going, "I'm not sure what to make of that." And then I kind of went away and yeah. educated myself a bit. And then I watched it again. I was like, this is brilliant. Um, it's not perfect. It is very good, like, adaption of, of the stage show. The stage show is perfect, as far as I'm concerned. So the the movie is a a, a fair distillation of the stage show. So, um, yeah, it's, it's... Interestingly, this film started another round of musical movies um so there had been like a whole bunch and then into the woods came out and then there was a bunch more that came after it so it became kind of commercial again um which Mm -hmm. is interesting given it's a slightly difficult musical to get your head around if you don't know some bits about it beforehand yeah i would think this is on paper this would seem fairly impossible to um to turn into a movie you'd just be laughed at so I think they do a good job. It's not unwatchable by any means. Um, and I might rewatch it when I'm in a better mood. <laughs> we'll slot it into a future episode we'll be talking about, I don't know, The X-Files or something. And be like, hold on, guys. We've got to cover this. I was yeah. wrong. Into oh, the Woods is the greatest movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think what this movie benefits from is Disney's casting power. So like the quality oh, of the cast in this is nuts i mean you've got Meryl... and james gordon's yeah. there as well i don't hate him in i this. really I like him, him in this. this i really like him because in this he plays against type so so bland as in he plays nothing but he's supposed know, to be nothing because it's all about the wife that's the whole point yeah um fair. i don't know which praise him for that and, and in the stage show there is actually he has more of a plot line where there is a character called the mysterious man who's present throughout the first act um, and it basically turns out to be like his father that ran away or left the family um, and there's right. sort of that kind of aspect so which is jarring in the film where he suddenly is like I don't think I could be a good dad and you know he suddenly panics about that in the stage yeah. that makes a hell of a lot more sense um, yeah it makes sense so yeah so you've got like Meryl Streep who was nominated for best supporting actress for this and well she turned up yeah and I mean, she, that's what she has to do in a yeah, movie. She's, she's always the right choice, as Sean would say. She's always yeah, the right casting exactly. choice. Um, she had some. She Justice had some. League, she had some you. weird teeth in Act Two when she had her transformation, which I didn't like. Um, she got some like 
dentures or something. I don't know. It was weird. Oh, I missed that. Oh, because I did. I noticed the fangs yeah. basically in the first half. I actually didn't notice that. Then yeah. The when you watch it a couple of times, you're like, mm, "That's weird." Um, one of my favorites, Christine Baranski, is in the film, who I absolutely oh. adore. So, interestingly, Meryl and Christine back together from Mamma Mia. Oh, that's right. And yeah. you've also got Meryl Streep and Emily Blunt back together from Devil Wears Prada. Oh, cool. Yes, you're right. That's but they actually, cool. like, um, Meryl and Christine Baranski are only in one scene together, I think. Which one was she? She's the stepmother. Oh, she's the stepmother. Oh, yeah. got it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I then I, I like love that they cast Tracy Ullman as um, Jack's mother. I just thought that was genius. Yeah. She was really funny. I liked yeah. her. It's constantly like berating Jack, cuddle, smack on the head. And again, but. I love that character because it's you're you're being really silly. Grow up, Jack. But actually, she's going don't grow up because I define myself by being your mother. So it's kind of heartbreaking exactly. then when yeah. she has her kind of moment of like trying to stop the giantess at the end. So I love yeah. her character in particular. Um, I did not like her death no. though. Like that was, was really that, brushed. Is aside. that the way it's done in the stage show? Um, I honestly can't remember. I know in the stage show, like, and I think it's hinted at in the movie, like Red Riding Hood's parents and granny die, and actually, I think, yeah, Rapunzel dies, and a various other characters die. Um, I can't remember actually. It's a good question. Yeah, because it was kind of done off screen, wasn't you... it? Yeah. Exactly. If you cho- well, it's a, it's an accidental thing, isn't it? The, the well, that is that is in the Herald stage show, or whatever that is it is the same. Um, but I yeah. can't remember if it's. I just think if you're gonna kill her, get the giant to stamp on her. If you've written off the character, then she makes her stand, and the giant just says "fuck you, tiny person," and but stamps again, on her. It's playing with your convent- your your expectations because she's just killed by accident. Yeah, I know, but then, <laughs> man. Well, yeah, I you hear that, that, Ian? Be smarter, then, damn it! Fucking have a tree fall on her. Like, if you're going to be random for the sake of random, that's not, in my opinion, that's not storytelling. But it is believable, though. She falls, hits her yeah, head. Yeah, but I don't watch movies to be believable. Says There's the guy who line. is like super analytical, needs to have a complete answer for every choice in the movie. Yeah, but I can. It's just got to follow the, some logic. By the end of Panic Room, random. you could have wired your own Panic Room, which is how much you paid attention to the details in that film. Come but on. But sometimes now. death is Fine. random. That's the the point. No, it it is. It's just not satisfying. It's not supposed like, to. That be. wasn't a satisfying it's not death. Supposed to be. Then why watch it? <laughs> why should you be satisfied oh, by oh, death? Oh, Iron Man, End of Infinity War, um, End of Endgame. Spoiler. For a two-year-old film, screw you, <laughs> man. I'm just, yeah. I think that's the bottom line: is that this film is too random for me. Uh, it plays with me too much. It's it's random, but every choice is deliberate. Everything you have an issue with is deliberate, and there has been. And it's yes. fascinating to hear Sondheim and um, the writer as well just sit and talk about like their their choices. Like, you know, they they had so like they've tried they've had tried so many different things and they kind of settled on stuff yes um so it is it's designed to be that way it's not a, a musical you come out of and you go well that was brilliant and i'm singing the songs and i'm really happy you come out and you're no, going totally, totally. oh my god like you're shell-shocked that's the point 
Yeah, and I'm not I'm not judging it as a musical because I don't like musicals. So I'm not judging it as oh I wish it was I wish it was hairspray. I'm not thinking that. I'm just I am just it didn't entertain me. So you know side tangent bar thing. This felt like a D and D movie, Dungeons and Dragons, mm. because What's that? they had a screw you. They had a quest. They've got a big bad. And the way that I've played enough games to know that they don't... Like, if you were to turn a campaign that I played in into a movie, it would be disjointed and frustrating because it's fun to be in it. But to watch, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. And this plot goes all over the place because that's very much how how D&D is. So I think that's... Again, that's what I mean. It's why I'm worried about the Dungeons and Dragons movie. But yeah, I think that's why this coming is, soon. <laughs> yeah, this has got some random stuff that's really cool. But as a movie, it frustrates the what's it's off of me. I think I'd enjoy it more as a stage if I watched it on stage. I think because I, I, that's I think what I'm in. The, I'm not there to watch too. a movie. Yeah, um, I don't some things just know. Don't need to be movies. I don't know if I would, and that is maybe be saying. I think it's. Uh, I, I'm trusting you, Albert, when you say like, particularly Act Two is pretty accurate to stage. I think I would still have some of the same issues with it. Yeah. I feel it goes on a little bit with the same kind of not. It's not one. It's actually it's definitely not one note, but it's that kind of low beat. It's that um, kind of dun, energy. Dun, 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 dun. That's the whole first twenty yeah. minutes of the movie, which again is a deliberate choice, but it's. Um, Oh, just because it's deliberate doesn't mean I no, have to exactly. like it. Well, it's not supposed <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah, that's the point. In fact, Sondheim is outside now with a glass for your tears because he didn't want you to like it. Then why make a thing if you don't want people to enjoy but, it? I, because they were too busy worrying about whether or not they could. They didn't stop to wonder whether they should. But, they should uh, what yeah. I'm going to do after this is send you both a video of Sondheim talking about the critiques from the reviews of the show where he basically just talks so eloquently and you go you had a reason for what you did and actually that person has no idea what they're talking about he does it brilliantly he's the most eloquent guy to to listen talking about his craft um so yeah i'm gonna i I think you will really like the guy is what i'm getting at because he has thought through everything like a dungeon master has and has gone through every eventuality has a plan for everything um but and the interesting thing with this as a musical is that it can be staged in many ways because essentially most of it is set in the woods, right? So it can be mm. a very simple yeah. set. It can be a very elaborate set, you know, and even just to hear how, you know, they've staged it in various productions around the world is fascinating. Um, there was one where they just basically did it all around a piano stool and the stool was the milky white it was the log that they all sit on and they all wore baseball caps which is the character's name on it and another interesting fact which is lost in the film because of the need for it in the stage show um a number of the actors double hat so they do two characters so actually the same actor that plays um cinderella's prince plays the big bad wolf because both have unsatiable appetites so it's almost like thinking and um the same person who plays uh the stepmother plays the giantess and granny and again it's about um kind of women in positions of women well no women's women in positions of power and how they can mess things up because 
and again I know you know this Sean but like Sondheim has a very fascinating life story do, do, like, do you... women in positions of power I know you'd know about this Sean oh wow where's this going what what research have you done on me okay do you want uh, do you, do you want yes. to do a little bit of a an insight and well, stuff well, for, I did... for Ian I, I, did, I did do a little bit of a background just on Sonnet because I find Sondheim is, um, while I wouldn't have much experience at all with his body of work, he's always the first or second name that is spoken of when you're talking about Broadway and theatre and musicals. Um, and he was mentored by Oscar Hammerstein, the son of the famous one, as in Rogers and Hammerstein. Correct. Um, and so there's straight away massive musical pedigree there who stood in for him as a father figure. Uh, he, no, his dad got the F out of there because his mum was horrible. Um, and not only did she abuse him, but she also lifted the covers of the bed for him. Um, and yeah, it's worrying how little you reacted to that, Ian, but okay, we'll come back to that later on. Um, I was trying to work out the metaphor. It took me a second to get there. There we go. Yeah, I was like, oh, all right. Hey, look, we believe in all forms of love here. Um, But yeah, yeah, and because of that, then a lot of his female characters are either unlikable or then like, look at the giantess. You You don't even see her face. I know. I realize that's a direction decision, but at the same time, like she's just this destructive force. Uh, And the witch is obviously, I mean, love Meryl Streep, which is awful. Kill her immediately. Adopt. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. But, but then, interestingly, the but witch then, has that... a whole thing with her mother as well, and it's her mother that turns yeah. into a pile of tar at the end. So, yes. so there is that kind of theme. Having issues with mothers, yeah. and it's it's been a criticism leveled at some time is that you know he's unfavorable to female characters, but actually, I think the baker's wife is one of the best written characters for stage interestingly even though she's because she's got an interesting journey where you like her she falters mm. she dies and you even said it last night to us were we supposed to like yeah be, did she die because she strayed and it's like that's the whole point <laughs> yeah it's like are we supposed to be okay with her sudden was the affair a cushioning blow for her falling off the cliff it's just like it's fine that she died because she strayed i was like yeah. i didn't need that but I think Emily Blunt is my favourite part of the film. Like, watch her performance is fantastic. So she's so so good. And can to we watch. just talk about how Chris Pine can really sing? Is that I'm so cynical? I don't think any he of them are singing. Genuinely I, I, that part. He is a very good singer. That's cool. He is yeah, a very good singer. Really cool. And uh, yes, I, I I did have a moment now last night where I was just like. Hello, Captain. Hello. Well, ironically, uh, he acts more Captain Kirk in this film than he yeah. ever does in the Abrams films. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, especially when he's he's, he's on top of the waterfall and rips open his shirt. Oh, <laughs> Agony is a great. Actually, sorry, I take back something I said earlier. Agony is a great song. I actually Agony did is like the, that. But is it's the more... one comical element in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's more their interplay with each other. They're trying to out no my agony is worse than yours. Yeah. Um I did I did And it's talk that. it's talk like it is brothers, right? They will do that. It's like fuck you, I've I'm Oh yeah. 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 Totally. So I, I really like that. I will rip my shirt slightly more yeah. than yours. Yeah, exactly. Um 
which which again there's is nice. There's, bit... there's a line in it where Cinderella's prince says, um, "I was raised to be charming, not to be sincere." And again, that is I love oh, it. pure perfection. Man, at least he knows himself and he yeah. owns it. Yeah, so basically, he works true. in sales. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame me. It's how I was raised. You stupid yeah. woman. Like he full on tries to kidnap her. Like he covers the entire stairs in pitch. Yeah. Yes. You know, like, it's both, <laughs> hey, that's really creative, and also, oh, yeah, man, creepy. I'm getting kind of Buffalo Bill feelings off you here. <laughs> so what did you think of Cinderella as a character in Havana Kendrick Clouder? Uh, I did not just fart into my mic, by the way. That is, no. I, I... I prefer mm. that version of the story. Um, But, yeah, Anna Kendrick was fine. Yeah. I feel like, again, it was a bit of casting because you're in pitch perfect so you can sing and you're known for singing again cynical brain um yeah i i don't know i wasn't very invested in her story um i it it did feel like oh i love him because he's a prince and that's my only reason and she's she's rightfully having doubts about it and assumes he will stray because he will but it's still that hair's whisker away from a happy ever after that yeah. yeah, I think she's she's probably the character that is most changed by the end of the film because she starts off as this kind of naive, kind of, you know, ooh, the festival, I want to go to the festival, I want to wear a pretty yeah. dress, I want to be, you know, charmed by the prince. And then, you know, as is true of life, what you expect is not actually <laughs> what you get. Um and you're actually just happy you're cleaning. Yeah, and day. it's the fact she says at the end, she's like, actually, I kind of prefer cleaning. Quite like quite, cleaning. Quite like cleaning, And, and she's there yeah. holding a baby that isn't hers, but she's suddenly a woman. You know, that kind of way. I, I just love that arc. Um, I think Anna does a pretty good job. Uh, I think when I saw it first, um, I was probably, you know, I would have known her, like Ian said, from Pitch Perfect. So I think the first time I saw the film, I would have much preferred her character over Emily Blunt Mm -hmm. and now I've completely swapped that around Um, yeah I I think part of that is just Emily Blunt is on another level of performing to pretty much the rest of the cast I mean she's she's up there with Meryl Streep is it acting or singing or both I don't care about the singing um acting (laughs) both is my answer to that one Albert which is interesting Uh, because Anna Kendrick has more training than she does um Anna Kendrick is a phenomenal yeah, is a singer. Star. Have you yeah, stolen your so, word? Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, it's, but it's the way the character is written um, as well. She's not supposed to be the most yes, likeable. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, th- uh, there's a few things in this movie that make me giggle. Um, so first off, that we have Gavroche um, playing Jack. So uh, the little kid from Le Mis, which you like, Ian, uh, is, I do, is Jack I in do. this film. Uh, same. That's cool. I don't like actor. him in yeah. this film. You're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, and good that, and because I did not care for yeah. him either. That's the point. It's that delineation between what I'm supposed to like and what I'm yeah. not fine. But I didn't enjoy. He just annoyed the tits off of me. It's like stop thieving, you thieving yeah. thief. Um, but his big number is "There are giants in the sky." Least favorite song in the entire. And that's film. A, a regular. Even for the stage show, people are like, "This is. Can we just cool. move on already?" Cringy. Can we just get um, on with this? Now he's, just, he does. Do he does it really well, but I think he's maybe miscast in the film. He's a little bit too 
clean and polished liking from my peasant peasant. I boy. assumed he was cast purely because of Les Mis. Um, I'm pretty sure this came before Les Mis, if I remember rightly. Did it? Because I thought he looked older in this one. No, Les Mis is before is 14. That... No, Les Mis is definitely because actually, oh, hang on, hang on now. Uh, could have been Tur. That's what I have in my head. No, then... Right, so this is 2012, yeah? 14. This is 2014. Oh, yeah, Les Mis was 2012, 2013. God. Because I, I remember what apartment I was living in 2012, at the time. Correct. God, I worked yeah. on that film. It doesn't feel like it's that long ago. <laughs> it's all right, though, because it looks like it was that long ago. Anyway, nine so... Nine years, oh Albert. Nine years. Nine. Well, when you were working on it, ten years, because obviously you were working on it before it came out. Yeah. Listen, we've been nice to you, Grumpy Boots, all right? You start being nicer to our guest, or there's going to be an awful lot of dead air when you're supposed to be speaking on this uh, podcast. Exactly. Albert, be nicer to the guest. (laughs) Oh, you're so cruel. I really, I want to, I want to quickly jump back on something you said earlier about the critics. I totally believe that he is an articulate man and that I would enjoy watching him tear his critics apart. Oh no, he does it with pure charm, which is why I love it. Well, Cool. Uh, I I can see him. I can imagine him like kind of lapping it up and saying, ha, 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 "You've fallen into my trap. This is exactly what I wanted you to think." For me, that is a little bit unfair because we're not in his head. So you have to take it as is presented, and often after just one watch as well, not ten watches. So I think it's a little bit unfair of him to say, "Maha, the critics fell for my evil scheme, and I played with their expectations." Yeah, he didn't. He didn't quite do it that way. I would have to say he. He. Okay, it did seem a bit mustache no, 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 not at all. He, not, he, he acknowledges the criticism and understands where it comes from, but he explains explains okay, his cool. thinking and why he made those choices. Fair enough. Um, and he okay, does it very, cool. you know, very eloquently, and he's very charming as well. Um, cool. But yeah, and. The the other kind of question I have for you guys. So, so you don't really remember many of the songs. It sounds like um, songs. <laughs> no, please remind. Okay. Yeah, remind. Um, there is so there's two kind of like the the musical is designed in a way that it's a number of small motifs, like so repeating patterns that come back throughout the the whole musical. So you've got the opening um, bump, 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 bottom which you get for 15 minutes but comes back in various guises and then you've got five notes uh, which are which is basically supposed to represent the five beans so every time the beans are referenced you hear those notes which again is quite cool cool um and then each of the characters have themes as well and interestingly so the witch in her first number is rapping She's not singing, she's rapping. Yeah, so I really didn't like that op- the, the witch's song because it's so all over the place. And to to, to bastardise or to misquote Qui-Gon Jinn, the ability to rhyme doesn't make you intelligent. And you just find some of the rhymes... Now that you say it's a rap, that it makes more yeah. sense because some of the rhymes just wound me yeah. up. It isn't, sorry, just a general question. I'll be quick me. Isn't a rap just any spoken yeah. word song? Yeah, but usually with rhyme is the difference for rap. But not yeah. necessarily, not necessarily I, I, anymore. I mean, it's... it's. Oh, I yeah. suppose that's true. Because I remember the, the, the first time I remember hearing... Well, hang on, what do you mean that's a rap? Uh, Vincent Price's 
part of Thriller. Yeah, yeah. Strictly speaking, that's the third verse. Yeah. Rap. yeah. Um, and I was like, but, 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 but that's not a rap. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so but, that's but that num- so a spoken that word. That number wrong. always makes me giggle because it's all about you know greens and vegetables, and so she's like you know cabbages and arugula and da 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 da, so and it's just quite it's I it's quite it. random. It is, but it almost feels like it knew how clever it was. And I was like, hey, you're not as clever yeah. as you think. You're just rhyming a lot of fruit together. And I think it was, it's a good one-off gag, but I think it's overdone. Yeah. But um, I love that line where she goes, don't ever, ever, never, ever, ever mess with my greens. Um, especially the beans. I just love that bit. It's just, it it feels quite playful and childlike, weirdly, when it's a witch doing it. But yeah. um, I think I enjoyed her character the most, actually. Her and Emily Blunt. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I think I just had the And what I like about it. the witch as well is that, you know, her interaction with Rapunzel shows she's really, like, she's like, oh, you don't love me because I'm not pretty, and, you know, which I think is... And she's not evil for the sake of being evil. This is just how it's how she was treated, so it's how it's she treats she knows, her yeah. de facto well, she, daughter. Yeah, she treats yeah. Her, her de facto daughter better, I would say, but... Um, but yes, probably, yeah. her mm. own insecurities come into that relationship, which I think is quite interesting. Exactly, but, yeah. You wouldn't stay with me if I didn't have you in this town. Yes. I mean, that's only half true, Ian. Um, as long as no, as, as long as you keep providing Wi-Fi to the tower, I'm happy to stay. Yes. <laughs> There's no fear, I think, of growing extra long hair, though, like Rapunzel somehow, for any of us. Well, maybe for you, Ian. Uh, oh, for me? Are you kidding? My, I had a haircut yesterday. This is just like... How? <laughs> no, I didn't really. I, didn't. Well, I was kind of like... <laughs> Uh, I know, Not like in films, you suspend disbelief, but that's suspending a lot of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, there. no, I'm definitely growing it out. I did make an in- well, I didn't make an interesting point. It's a point that's been made many times before. But when um, her Prince Charming makes his exit, he just grabs onto some hair and jumps out the window. If she mistimes hooking her hair onto the hook, Out. she's scalped at best. At best, she's been scalped. At worst, her neck is snapped, and he's got. A rough landing and a head. <laughs> now that would have been even probably too dark for this film. Um, I think that's one hundred percent. Like that is random but believable. Yeah. I like some logic behind my randomness. Yeah. Well, I think like, I, I would totally make him roll for that if we were playing a D and D campaign. I'd be like, right, fuck it. You roll a dexterity check, and Rapunzel, you roll a strength <laughs> check because one of you ain't coming out of this. <laughs> Let's see. He rolled a twenty. She rolled a one. <laughs> yeah, she's absolutely scalped. <laughs> It'd be quite fascinating actually to watch the film again, but have to roll for each of the major decisions and then see what way the plot <laughs> yeah. progresses. Right? No, that's a legitimate. Is there anything way. over three on this dice? Exactly. That's a legitimate way of writing a story. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know a lot of writers, but that is you roll for the outcomes because sometimes the universe is random, and you just you help that to guide your decisions. Uh, I I think that's a fantastic way to write a story yeah fair enough it's definitely a way to write it (laughs) (laughs) um what was i going to say a couple of uh, so i'm i'm interested because i know sean you love sweeney todd right am i right in saying that i like it well okay no i actually don't love sweeney todd because at the time it was one of the musicals i had found the the most difficult to get into it's much more accessible i feel than into the woods is for example ian tico over there i think you would actually like sweeney todd um 
<laughs> You're very welcome. Dear, you are now my tide my my tide pole. Uh, no, I think you would like Sweeney Todd. Which, um, particularly, obviously now because it's a sun time as well. That's just why I'm curious. That, that's yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's yes. Yeah, so yeah. Um, and w- <laughs> this might sound like a strange question: Is West Side Story? A Sondheim, because he did the lyrics, did the lyrics. So, right? So Sondheim's career started mainly as a lyricist. Um, and so he did West Side Story and he did Gypsy, which is another, like, you know, West End staple. Um, again, crazy mother character. Um, and then he's his own musicals. Um, so Into the Woods is unusual because he does the music and the lyrics, which isn't always the case. And actually, the um, James Lapine wrote the um basically wrote the story and directed it so you had these kind of in the same way you had actors like double taking on roles they were actually doing two roles at once as well which was interesting um cool. but he also another one of his favorite music his famous musicals is follies which if you're a, a west end or kind of broadway lover you will know about follies um and again i believe disney made a movie out of that as well so there's sort of a disney relationship with with Sondheim that goes back quite a way. Um, Interesting, because he just seems like the least Disney man. Yeah, I guess the appeal for Disney would be, um, you know, it's a very marketable movie, right? Because... Yeah, that's well, yeah, because you've got your Avengers, haven't you? Yeah, but, but, you know, using characters that Disney audiences would know, so you're likely to get a big footfall because they're expecting yes. a Disney thing. And then, and they own and them, then you come in helps. and... Um, in the same way that they kind of, on the other extreme, did like Enchanted, which was a bit of a comedy take on the same sort of style. Yes, um, very much. So you could see why they went there because they're kind of, you know, it's their sweet spot, like, kind of, um, in terms of character playing with the form. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, so that makes sense to me, and it's actually, as I said, it's a completely marketable film, even though it's actually quite difficult to watch, watch. and interpret. Yeah. So the marketing meeting. Okay, so we've got Meryl Streep sold. Yeah. All right then. The marketing meeting is right. We need to market this in a way that doesn't let anybody know what they're in for. I, you know, I I used to work at Disney, so I have seen stuff on the inside. There is a lot of like stunt casting that goes on in Disney movies. You know, it's it's because they got they have. Yeah. It was the big thing of the nineties, surely. I mean, so they can you know pull in the big names. Why the hell not? Um, Yeah. You know, and it's interesting that the other big. Uh, name that would have been attached to this at the time, but is very much tarnished now is Johnny Depp, um, who, you know, was one of the biggest stars in the world at that point. Um, so actually, right, sorry, hang on. I thought he did play the wolf. He did. He did. You know, what he's saying is that he would have been, and while playing the wolf, he his he, name would have he been would a draw. Have been bigger than Meryl Streep as a draw. At, at the time. time, because of Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. and everything was all around. More or less right, the same time. Got it. So I thought you Since meant then, attached. I thought you meant he wasn't. No, 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 he wasn't. Terms. No, I, that's what I mean. It's in. You mean if you released it today, it would be you would hide the fact that Johnny Depp was in it, probably. Probably. Um, but interestingly, now Disney's next kind of because their their new thing is is making live action versions of their animated classics. Of course, they aren't doing as much of the stunt casting as and as much anymore. No. They're trying to find like hidden gems yes. almost, aren't so, they? So um, they have now, I guess, recognised the dangers of being attached to big talent that might, you know, cause trouble. Backfire like, on the I, Again, system. I'm just thinking of like Lone Ranger, Army Hammer and things like that. But um, 
Army Hammer and yeah, Johnny Depp. But uh, Lone Ranger has plenty of problems that isn't just oh, the casting. Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. 100%. <laughs> um, um, really quickly on Johnny Depp being the wolf. Friend of the show, friend of the show, Danae from Cinema Sims Land. Um, no, we were talking about it and she said, Ah, I saw that on the TV once. That werewolf has a penis and you can see it. So apparently there is an absolute penis visible on the werewolf. I don't know what edit she watched, but I'm going to have to... I didn't know if this was something in the bloopers that you... Are you sure she wasn't just watching an American werewolf in London? Possibly, but she specifically said it was into the woods. And Oh, I remember that. There's a penis in it. I would trust today. If she said she's all one, then I'm going to go back and have a look again. It's not the thing that you're going to make up, are you? I would internet that shit right now and see. Exactly. It's also also quite easy to disprove that as well. Immediately. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Unless there's some cut that has been deleted from the but internet. it would sort of make sense given the tone of his character which is absolutely really creepy yes i mean not even hiding the fact that he yeah yeah, yeah it's creepy it's really creepy and considering it's a disney movie family movie would have been the way that disney marketed it i could imagine a lot of parents in the cinema at the time being quite uncomfortable at that moment um yes you yes, know. I'm surprised. Probably watching it going, well, at least there's only five minutes left in this, so, yeah. you know, it's grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't help but think, like, right, where are we up to in other movies? Because, like, you're at, like, the 90-minute point, and you're like, hmm, shit's usually wrapping up. But the even um, funnier thing was that, even though we all started watching the film at the same time, mine seems to be, like, eight minutes ahead of yours by the end, so... Yeah, you absolutely make, watched a different sense. version I didn't. To, to the one that we I watched. I don't know. There you go. That's weird. Um, I can't say I liked it. Okay. But it wasn't terrible. I don't by any means. Have, it just it's it's not what I look for fine. in a musical. Do you personally. now you know a bit more about it? Are you kind of more intrigued? As in, yes, the actual creative elements of it yeah but i would go and read the behind the scenes yeah. before i watch it again that makes sense yeah i think i would watch a three-hour documentary about the making of this movie mm-hmm. 10 times and i'd never watch the movie again i think that's a good way yeah. to sum it up i am much more interested in the technical aspects and the logic behind the decisions more than I am the story itself, and I think that is a failing. I think that is bad because you've you've created a bit of media that I don't want to watch, but could have done. I could have wanted to watch it. I really want to watch this film, but it just bores the tits off. You me. Did watch the film? <laughs> Sorry, I want to watch okay. it again, but it bored me so much I won't. In which case, I would suggest check out the highlights on YouTube and just watch the big numbers because that's where all the fun stuff happens anyway. Um, cool, good stuff. But yeah, no, and, and and I can sing most of the songs in this from memory because it is a bit of an earbug. Once you start to listen to it a few times, it really does stick in your ear. Um, yeah. The, the, so Sondheim in general, like um, Broadway talent, love Sondheim because it challenges them. Because there is yeah. acting in there, there is proper singing in there in terms of technical singing. Um, but it's not big, big numbers where you're like belting. So it's easier to perform from a kind of a vocal perspective. The only real big number in it is the witch's last midnight one where she basically goes, 
screw you all and turns into a, a pond of goo. Um, Do you know two of my favourite, favourite sequences that I would... I was captivated by it. I may not have looked like it, but I was, and I will YouTube them yes. again. Is her... Any time she disappears and appears, and how that was done so smoothly, but also her turning into pretty Meryl Streep and then turning back into yeah. dissolving. Both of those sequences, I was like, yeah, fuck, this and is good. And you should check out how it's done on stage. So on stage, they use um, trap doors and secret doors to like have her appear, cool. and they have her appear in the audience. So in different productions oh, and stuff. Awesome. And um, But in certain productions, not in all of them. And they, yeah, they, they've got a prestige. And they machine. also for the transformation bit, um, there's two ways of doing it. So they either do it with a standing in her ugly witch's gear. Yeah. Easy enough you know, to do. Um miming, and then poof, and then the actual character comes out on stage. The other way they do yeah. it is they have her in some sort of like a cape or something, and she's got a prosthetic nose. And they do yeah. drag race reveal style, you know cape over the face quick change and bam um nice. so again technically how you stage a show like this is quite fascinating so that's where i think if you saw the stage show you'd be like oh that's actually really yes. cool how they did that that's really cool and a lot of the, oh, a lot of that in happens the... in act two which is the bit you probably found dragged it's what i liked a lot more well you liked um, more but you I found could... dragged at the same time um yes n- uh, no it <sighs> no i found it dragged yeah, sorry, you yeah. found it. I didn't think it dragged. I thought by that point the entire movie was dragging. If I'd have started from Act Two, I'd have been way more very into confused. It. I no, I could see this film starting with just a little bit of because this. I have an issue with narration in movies. This narration spoon feeds you the story, which only makes sense in the last thirty seconds because you know it is being spoon fed to a child, which is the oldest narration the hobbit does it it's the oldest narration trick in the book the narration is telling it to another character in the film cool um damn it where was i going with that um the yeah with a bit of clever narration you could have started this film when the giant stomps and the castle started with the wedding and the castle collapsing the giant stomps bit of clever narration and exposition and you've got a really tight movie that's just about all of these fairy tales that are finished and what happened next. Okay, then. <laughs> I would like... I was just like, this, no, This is like, I want heathen. paint in one colour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but no, I could see... This, the sequences where she does the transformation, I could see that is deliberately simplified so that it could be done on stage. So it wasn't a ton of special effects. I could still... I could believe it was happening on the spot. I really liked it. It was really, really cool. So I'll, I'll let's let's leave positive. it there. He likes that bit. Yeah, leave he it like that's my positive. Yeah. And thanks everyone for joining us this week. <laughs> um, Ian another musical. No, please, c- please come back next week where we will be moving back to a slightly more populist style musical. What are, um, I can't remember what we're watching. We will be covering Jonathan Larson's Rent. Which is oh, I didn't know we agreed on that. Cool. You didn't agree to it. We oh, decided yeah. last night. <laughs> oh, you, you <laughs> we just decided last Fuck night it. that yeah, we're doing this. It's going to be rent. Cool. Uh, oh, I'm we, really, really glad. That's cool. I'm really interested now to see see how you react to this. Bring one. I think this will be yeah. I w- so oh I my would, god, yes, bring yeah, a tissue. I would say trigger warning for next week episode. Next week's episode, there 
there oh, will one hundred percent be. Have triggers. you seen it? I haven't, but I know the subject matter. Ah, so, okay. Yeah, I, there will be triggers, so steer clear if that's one of them. Everyone who's seen Team America: World Police kind of has an idea of what the musical is about next week. And on that either incredibly cryptic or incredibly descriptive note, uh, we'll leave it there for now. Albert, thank you very much, as always, for lending your incredibly insightful... Now, considering we sat there and effectively took Hershey squits all over this film, (laughs) thank you very much for bringing some of the background as well to it. Because sometimes, and I think Ian, you'll agree with this, you cannot enjoy a piece of art doesn't mean it isn't well made you can still appreciate it yeah i I know that this movie isn't made for me but and thanks to you albert for educating us i can appreciate it a lot more and i knew that's what would happen by the end of this episode is that i knew that's why i didn't go in super hard at the beginning because i knew i was wrong Uh, i absolutely knew i was wrong to not like this i should absolutely like this it deserves to be liked it's just not for me so thank you albert for telling us why it's great and why i still don't like it (laughs) I'll take that. It's progress. I'll take it. Um, I know we do this every week, but Albert, where can the people find you online? You can find me probably best on Twitter at Albert Hogan. I mean, you say that, Sean. We didn't do it last episode, and I think we didn't do it when we had you back over Christmas as no. well. That's brilliant. In the year in review. Yeah. That's pretty bad. It's fun. Oh, I must have just assumed it was in that uh, plugs recording. Guys, everyone's been wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, at at this stage, yeah. Um, An Englishman and an Irish squared. Nice. (laughs) Oh, that's the new... That's brilliant. That's awesome. I I love it. I kind of like that now. Because I've made a cool joke, Albert, we're taking you for two hours every week for the rest of forever. Sweet. But not doing musicals, please, Uh, because this will kill me. (laughs) We will make Um, you not like musicals. Oh, I'd just be so tired of it. Guys, everyone is fantastic. Uh, Ian, you're wonderful. We, you've, you're halfway through. Just just keep that in mind, all right? You are halfway through this month of musicals. Thank, thank you. Right, thank you, you for rough. indulging me. No, thank yeah. you for something I'm not going to watch again. <laughs> Sean and I also, Sean and and I also decided last yeah. night we're going to do two extra episodes on musicals. That is true. No, it's not. Yep. We're joking. Good. Sorry, we're not doing a video this week. I'm really glad you couldn't see my expression, everybody. It's sank. Although I, I would have killed to... Hang on. We're going to release the audi- audience. You're free to go. Thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies. I, at least, would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Sean couldn't care enough to record this with me. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at EnglishIrishGTM. Email us at an Englishman and an Irishman at gmail.com and check out our website www.anenglishmanandanirishman.wordpress.com where you'll find all of our previous episodes. You'll find me on Twitter at galactic underscore Dave and you'll find Sean at Sean Ferrick. Thanks for being awesome and we love you very much. <laughs>